0: Today, to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is where we're going to be. Uh, I do want to say congratulations to the graduates and uh, also want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge the educators that are in the room today. Let's give our teachers and educators a, a hand. Uh, this was, this was really an extremely challenging year for anybody that is in education between remote learning and on-campus learning and just the whole 2020 pandemic really created a lot of different uh, challenges for those that uh, bring up the future leaders in our country. And so we're just so very, very grateful to our educators and our hearts are just full of, of excitement for the graduates that we have within our church family uh y'all like my new preaching preaching thing here whatever you call it so yeah, so so i'll introduce you to a couple of the features here here's my favorite one i can spin look at that right there Woo! yeah yeah and now i'm gonna make it float no sorry sorry not a magic show uh and then here's my other one it, the table adjust so if i have a growth spurt then then the uh the table just grows right with me, so that's what, I'm, that's what I am hoping for. Uh, um, <laughs> I was going to be in the MBA. I was tall until 16. I quit growing at age 16, and so now I am what is considered average height, right? So here is the issue. Not my height, but here's what we're going to talk about today. No one can really deny that Jesus had an absolutely transformational impact upon the world. If you just look at history, the impact of Jesus is non-deniable. His teaching has led to an extraordinary amount of humanitarian efforts. There's two ministries with which we are working right now, uh, Amazing Grace Food Pantry. We had about 15 to 20 from our church yesterday that spent the morning working at Amazing Grace Food Pantry. I'm thankful that our student ministry leadership is leading our children to care about those who are food insecure. Jesus' teaching was one of the initiators of people caring about those that were less fortunate. We have another ministry that we're working with right now as a church called Real Options for Women. This is a crisis pregnancy center, and you can see information about it at the back of the worship center. Jesus' teaching was transformational when it comes to the fact that life has value. From, from, a, from cradle to grave, life has value. From conception to eternity, I should say, life has value. And that was inherent within the teaching of Jesus. Jesus had a massive impact upon medicine. You think about the different mission trips that go out to care for people who are ill. Or how about all the different hospitals? If you ever stayed at Presbyterian Hospital or Methodist Hospital or Baylor Hospital, if you stay at one of these hospitals, they often have roots in uh, Christian theology. If you study art, you find that many of the great master works uh, feature Christianity and they have uh, inspiration from. The teachings of Jesus. If you look at education, you may not be aware of this, but originally, I believe, but all but one of the Ivy League schools were even started for the purpose of training people into ministry. When it comes to law, when it comes to family, just about every area of society, Jesus has impacted. It is absolutely undeniable if you, are, if you are rational and clear thinking in any way that particularly when it comes to Western society, Jesus is the most transformational individual who has ever lived. What year is it right now? 2021. You know why it's 2021? Because we measure time by Jesus' birth. You know, Jesus comes into this world and he splits time in half. His life is so significant that we now look at the world as this is what happened before Jesus was born, this is what happens after Jesus was born. But now, here's the question that people ask. Did Jesus ever claim to be God? Did he ever claim to be God? Now, I want to make sure that I preface this in what I say today, and that whenever we talk about Jesus as God, I'm talking about Jesus as God within the context of the Trinity, which we talked about during last Sunday's sermon. But here are some non-Christian views when it comes to who Jesus is. There are some that say Jesus was simply a good teacher, that he should be viewed as a philosopher, a moralist, that he taught people to love one another, that he taught people to live with what we call Christian ethics, but that he never claimed to be anything more than a good teacher. There are others who would say, well, what Jesus was is a revolutionary. That his basic goal was to overthrow the religious leadership of his day, but he ultimately lost his revolution and he was killed for it. In some, theology, some theologies that we call libertarian theology, they have, they have tried to take Jesus and basically reduce his teachings to societal reform. And that that's what Jesus was all about. There are others who say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, but we should look at Jesus as an example. He was an individual that cared about his cause so much that he was willing to even lay down his life for his cause. And so what you need to do to be like Jesus is you need to find something in which you really believe to the point that you would give your life for that cause. And that's how Jesus should inspire you. Some say Jesus was a, just a prophet. And so they try to look at Jesus. This is a really big tenet within Islam. That Jesus is a prophet like Abraham or Moses. He was a man sent from God, had a message from God. But he was just a prophet, not the Son of God. Then there are others. I'm used to holding the desk chair now, and so I started reaching for it. There are others who take a little bit more of a harsh look at Jesus. Some would say he's a lunatic. He was a man who believed that he was the Son of God. And they would say basically Jesus was just a psychologically troubled individual who got in trouble and was crucified. And then there are others who would say that Jesus was a deceiver. He was narcissistic, that He was deliberately leading people to follow Him, and He was deliberately spreading lies about who He is, about others, in order to try to get people to follow Him. Well, let's wrestle with this question today. Uh, We're in the fifth part of this series that we've been calling Frequently Asked, questions, and you can see here some of the questions that we've looked at thus far. We started out asking, you know, is it okay to ask questions about your faith? If Christianity is truth, it can withstand your questions. It's okay to be curious. We looked at on April 18th, what is so special about the Bible? And then we looked at, does God exist? And if God exists, can he be known or is he just an unknown force? Derek Draper was with us on Mother's Day, and he looked at the family and the importance of the family. Last week, we looked at, do Christians worship three gods? And we brought that Trinitarian context to what we're talking about today, which is, did Jesus claim to be God? Next week, we're going to look at, are all religions the same? And then on the final week of this series, we're going to talk about, how does a person become a follower of Christ. So here's the question for today. Did Jesus claim to be God? What do you say as we start today? Yes. All right, well, take your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 5, and let's do a scriptural journey here, beginning in John chapter 5. And we're going to begin seeing here, first of all, in this first passage, how others were understanding Jesus' teaching about himself. So Jesus was constantly in battle with the Pharisees, and in verse 17, the Scriptures say, Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. So why was it that the Jewish religious leaders were so angry at Jesus? What was it about his message? What was it about him that caused them literally to conspire to kill him? Well, the scriptures say there in verse 18, not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even even calling God his own father. And then notice this last part of the sentence, making himself equal to God. Those people that heard Jesus' teaching, they understood that within his teaching, he was making the claim to be God. Now, let's go over to uh, John chapter 8. By the way, each of the Gospels, which are the four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus' life, each of those Gospels take a different slant on the life of Jesus. And John's gospel is intended to present Jesus as the Son of God. And so in verse 54, uh, Jesus is talking about uh, himself and Abraham. And he says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. My Father, about whom you say, he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. And if I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar. And then I love the part of the intensity of Jesus here. I would be a liar like you. (laughs) He's not sugarcoating anything, is he? But I do know him and keep his word. And then in verse 56, Jesus does a little bit of a mic drop on him. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Like, okay, well, what, what is he getting at here? He's basically saying, uh, I'm before Abraham. Now, Abraham is a very significant guy when it comes to world religion. You may not realize this, but Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity all trace their roots back to this guy, Abraham. That's why he's sometimes called Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You are one of them. And so, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. right. Okay, that, 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 that's plenty. So if you didn't grow up in an environment where you started writing your name in macaroni and children's church, eventually you start moving both arms and your head shakes and your knee. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Anyway. Your grandparents can teach it to you this afternoon. The Jews replied, You aren't even 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. Now let's go over to chapter 10 and look at verse 30. Here Jesus says, I and the Father, remember we're understanding this through the lens of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I and the Father are how many? One. Are one. And again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Are we sensing a theme here? Okay. They understood what he was saying. He was saying, I'm equal to God. I'm God. And they wanted to kill him for it. So Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? Again, I just love the way that Jesus responds to them. I mean, all right, so are you stoning me for healing the blind? Walking on water? Maybe you're going to stone me for feeding 5,000 people. I don't know. Healing the paralytic man. What is it exactly that you don't like about me trying to change people's hearts and and heal them? And so, are you stoning me for for this? I lost my spot. Where am I here? Somebody get me back. 33. 33. There we are. We aren't stoning you for good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself god again the individuals that heard Jesus teaching knew exactly what he was claiming to be he was claiming to be god let's go on to verse chapter 14 and verse 6 this will be the last passage we look at here in john Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now remember the context here. Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going away. But where I am, you you can come with me. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. And Thomas interrupts and says, "Uh, Lord, we really don't know where you're going. Can you give us a Google map or something like that so that we can understand where you're going? And Jesus says, hey, look, I am the map. Right? You want to you know, you you know how to get there? You need to know me. And then he's very specific. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody, nobody gets to the Father except through me question for you is that narrow yeah i i'm the way i'm the truth he didn't say i'm a way or a truth he said i'm it and he, he said basically no one gets to heaven except through me yeah that's very very narrow but it's also very very clear because if God exists, and God can be known, and the possibility of heaven exists, wouldn't it be nice if God told us exactly how we can know Him and have the hope of heaven? And Jesus says you don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through Me. Just follow me, Thomas, and you'll get there. Believe in me. So let's put this together with seven big things that Christians believe about Jesus. Seven things that we as a church believe about Jesus. Seven things that Christians in general, and I know there's a lot of different categories within Christianity. But seven big things that Christians generally believe about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. The Son has always been, is, and always will be, and He's the Son of Almighty God. Number two, as Christians, we believe that He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. It's what we celebrate at Christmas time. That Jesus was born, the Immaculate Conception, that He was born of a virgin there in Bethlehem. Number three, Jesus lived a sinless life. This makes him unique amongst all of humanity because if you go back to the soils of Eden, when the sin of Adam and Eve occurred, a domino effect began so that all who are born after them are born with this sin nature and whenever they are capable of moral action, they will become transgressors. They will violate the righteousness of God and Romans teaches us very clearly in the first three chapters that all sin... All fall short of the glory of God, with the exception of Jesus. He lived a life that you and I could never live. Fourth, as Christians, we believe that He died upon the cross, not as a mere example, not for a revolutionary cause, but He died upon the cross as a substitute for you and me making atonement for our sin, absorbing the wrath of God intended for sin into himself. He died upon the cross for your sins and mine. Fifth, we believe that Jesus came back to life, overcoming the power of sin and death. Sixth, we believe that he ascended to heaven where he is the mediator between God and man. Seventh, we believe that he will return in power and glory. You see, the first time that Jesus came, he came as the innocent baby of Bethlehem. The second time he comes, it's going to be a little different. He's going to come as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will judge the world but he will also fully complete the redemptive mission of making all things new for the glory of his name. These are things that we as Christians, that we as a church believe about Jesus. Let me just ask you this question. Do you believe these things about Jesus? Do you? Now, I some of us may say, well, I, I don't really believe all this. Can I still come? Yeah. You're more than welcome to come to the church. We, we want you to come. We want you to study the Scriptures with us. We, we want you to experience the reality of the love and transformation that occurs when Jesus takes hold of your heart and changes you from the inside out. Because core to the message of Jesus was not... Hey, you straighten up and behave better. Core to the message of Jesus was, I will change you. I will transform you from the inside out. I will make all things new. I will forgive you of your past. I will bring purpose to your present, and I will bring hope to your future that transg- that, 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 that goes beyond any 100-year window of life. And so if you're not a believer yet, a couple things we invite you to come. We invite you to be a part and, and to experience what it means to, to live life in Christ. Ask questions. We may not have all the answers, but we'll wrestle with you and we'll, we'll try to uh, explore the truth of the Scripture with you. It's okay to ask these questions and to take those steps towards God. But as Christians, We believe that Jesus was more than just a man, more than just an example, but he's the Son of God. Christianity rises and falls with Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, very prolific author, uh, I I think he was right when he wrote these words uh, about Jesus. He said this, a man, I think I have it here on the screen behind me, if if you can read that, I know the font's kind of like, you know, but anyway, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg. I'm not sure what Lewis was thinking on that. I've never gotten up and said, I'm a poached egg, you know, but I guess he's talking about someone who's, I guess it's the lunatic part. Yeah, okay. So he would be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. So Lewis's argument here is that Jesus' words himself force you to a point of choice, that you can't really take the easy way out and say, well, I think he was just a great philosopher. Because his words say that, I think I'm the Son of God. So Lewis says this, You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You could shut him up for a fool, you could spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher He has not left that open to us. See, the very words of Jesus, along with His societal impact, which is undeniable, force you to a point that if you are a thinker at all, you have to come to some destination point about Him. And you can't come to the conclusion well, I'm just going to take him as a philosopher and I know there's some great little Christians that believe him to be the Son of God, but that's not what I, I think. Because his words don't allow you that liberty. His words basically say, I'm either the Son of God or I'm not. The fact that Jesus claimed to be God is one of the uniquenesses of Christianity. You see, in most major religions, you have a central figure, but the centrality of the religion is the teachings, not the teacher. Jesus' words were different than Muhammad's, different than Joseph Smith's. He was different than other major world religions because he didn't call you to simply follow his teachings. He called you to believe in him, to place your faith in him. He didn't say, hey, try harder and do better and sow good karma. He basically said, you're not good enough. Admit that you are fallen. Admit your sin. Repent of that. Place your faith in me and I will transform you. So at the center of Christianity is Christ. If you take Christ out, all you have is eanity, right? So it's Christianity. And he doesn't just claim his teachings to be true. He claims to be truth. Christianity rises and falls with Jesus Christ. And so anytime we talk about Christianity, we have to talk about Christ and we have to talk about grace. Because through Christ, we can experience God's grace. The grace of God is unmerited favor. It is forgiveness, even though we don't deserve to be forgiven. It is hope when there is no hope, because we have trust. We have faith. Not just that God can, but that God will. (laughs) That God will make all things new for the glory of Himself. And so as believers, we experience the grace that only Christ can bring. And then we also extend that grace to others through the way that we treat people, see people, the words that we speak, the way that we live our lives. Grace is the most magnificent, extraordinary, extravagant gift that a human being can possibly receive, and the God who created you on purpose for a purpose has extended grace to you through Christ. What a shame to take that grace and then hoard it and refuse to share it with others. I want to land with um, a passage from Acts chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there. Acts chapter 4. It's the big book right after John. New Testament for all you Bible scholars. All right. So here we are, Acts chapter 4, Uh, people were trying to shut up Peter for preaching the message of Christ. They were trying to get him to just be quiet and go away, and in verse 8, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts talking to the rulers and the elders, and he he says, If we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed? You see, Peter had just helped a man who, who uh, basically brought healing to a man. Then he says in verse 10, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone that, stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Peter is pulling this right from the book of Isaiah. He's pulling it right from the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus basically said, I have become the temple. I have have come to be the Son who will bring salvation to you. And so in verse 12, Peter says this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. What is it that Christians believe about Jesus? Well, you have it right here. We believe that there is salvation in no one else, and that there is no other name under heaven given by which we can be saved. What does it mean to be saved? I'm forgiven for my past. God is doing a work within me to grow me and mature me as a follower of Christ. And I look forward to the day when Christ comes again, and I will be saved from the sin-saturated environment in which I live. We're saved. We are safe. We are secure in the hands of God because of Christ. Do you believe in Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment Several different things that you can do at this point. One, it may be that God is leading you to pray. And so, here in a few moments, when the band leads us in worship, you may just feel more comfortable staying at your seat and praying. I always invite you that if you'd like to come and pray here at the front, sometimes it's good in life to take a prayer walk, to come forward and pray before the congregation, before the Lord here at the altar just as an acknowledgment that God is speaking to your heart about something and you're bringing it to the Lord. If there's anything that I may pray with you about, it is my joy to pray with you. I'll be here over to the side during this next song, and I'll be here at the front right after church, and if I can pray with you about something going on in your life, if, if there's a decision that God is leading you to make, I invite you to come and see me. If you're watching online, you can always send me a note, Pastor at murphychurch.com, and I would be glad to pray with you and to help you however I possibly can. If today is the day where you need to believe in Christ as Savior and Lord, I invite you to do that right now, to make this your moment. You say, Lash, what do I need to say? Just say something like this, Heavenly Father, I ask your forgiveness for my sins, and I place my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that you might save me and change me and bring to my life the hope that is found in Christ. I embrace Him today as Savior. Pray that prayer in the name of Christ and mark this moment as the moment of belief when you trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord. Father, I thank you that we do not worship a stale, lifeless Savior, but that we worship the risen Savior who's crucified and risen, who's coming again, And Lord, I pray that you might fill us with hope and anticipation of what it means to be alive in Christ forevermore. And I pray that you will help us to use today and each day in such a way that we use our lives to draw others to Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and worship. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, as Paul and the worship band lead us in this hymn bring some energy to the room. Go ahead and sing this song and sing it loudly to the Lord as an offering of praise.